Hear the word of God from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 13, and verses 18 through 20. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was the descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. As it turns out, the word lottery is found in the Bible. Not the kind of lottery that you and I are most familiar with, no scratch-offs, no Powerballs. Instead, this kind of lottery is actually found in the Christmas story in Luke's gospel. This lottery involved the temple and the priests and the sins of the people. Once a year, one of the priests would be randomly selected by a lottery. That's the way the Common English Bible translates it. And that priest would perform a highly prestigious, very important task for the sake of all the people. That fortunate priest would enter into the temple and go into that exclusive part of the temple, that room called the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum of the temple, the place where it was believed that God dwelled among the people. And it was in that room that that lucky priest would light incense and allow the fragrance to ascend into the heavens as an offering to God, as a way of requesting forgiveness and peace in the relationship between God and the people. That single act would offer the forgiveness of God to all of the people for that season of time, a restoration of God's relationship with them and a restoration of the relationship among the people. Peace a shalom, full, whole kind of peace. But that wasn't it. The priest still had one duty to perform, 
After the incense was offered, the priest would then step out of the Holy of Holies, walk out of the temple, and into the courtyard of the temple, where there would be gathered a throng of Jewish people, all with hushed anticipation, with bated breath, waiting to hear the, the priest say some important words. Because until then, the people would be asking themselves, did it work? Did the priest do what he was supposed to do? Have our sins been forgiven? Is there peace once again? And it would be at that moment that the priest would step out into the sunlight and look upon the gaze of all of those expectant Jewish people and raise his hands, palms facing toward them, and recite those important, glorious words that were prescribed to him by what we have as Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. These words that would impart the blessing from the priest over to the people and officialize, formalize the peace that was now for them. And the priest would say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And upon hearing those words, those people who had been hushed with anticipation would sigh with relief. And then the smattering of applause would then burst into cheers because at that moment, upon hearing those words, they would recognize that there was once again peace for them. At least that's the way it was supposed to work. The way Luke tells the Christmas story, that's not the way it worked at all. That's not the way it worked when Jesus was born. In fact, Luke doesn't tell us right away about Jesus. The other Gospels tell us about Jesus' birth right from chapter 1, but not in Luke. In Luke, we have a preamble to the birth of Jesus as he introduces us to some very important extended family members, Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist. We meet Zechariah first. Turns out he was a priest, and not just any priest, a priest who had won the lottery it was him who was entrusted with the sacred and important privilege of going into that temple, into the Holy of Holies, lighting that incense, offering that peaceful offering to God, and receiving the absolution of forgiveness for him and for all the people. And then Zechariah would step out into the courtyard, and there he would see all of those faces, all of those eyes, all of those ears, waiting for him to say those important words of absolution, may the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face. Except that's not what happened. Instead, Zechariah raised his arms, put his palms to the crowd, opened up his mouth, and nothing came out. You can imagine he cleared his throat, took another breath, wiggled his tongue, and the words that were pulsing in his brain, beating in his heart, could not find their way off his tongue and out of his mouth. And in that moment, you could almost imagine the look of shock on the faces of the Jewish people. Maybe even disappointment, discourage, perhaps even terror. 
because they did not hear the words that they were longing to hear. People who were longing for a word of peace, and Zechariah couldn't say it. Almost he could. It was an almost kind of peace. Now, the scripture reading that you heard Linda share with you earlier is the backstory of why Zechariah couldn't speak that word of peace to the people that day. Turns out it was because his own disbelief prevented him from receiving the power of God that prompted the angel disabling his vocal cords that day. Because as he was lighting that incense in that moment, you could imagine that his spirit was feeling anything but peace in that moment. I mean, as a priest, he was carrying the full weight of the burdens of all the people. That had to be troubling enough for a priest, but his mind was complicated even more by what was happening at home. Because he would picture his wife, Elizabeth, sitting there back at home, all alone, waiting for him to return in a room that for years they had set aside to hold a crib and a cradle, but for now was sitting empty and dark with only empty dreams and dashed hopes. If anyone could use a word of peace in that moment, if anyone needed to have their troubled spirit soothed, surely it was old Zachariah and old Elizabeth. And so when the angel appeared to him, all of a sudden, out of the blue, scaring him half to death and saying to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, he had to know that was a lot easier said than done. Because the angel said, Zechariah, Zechariah, that, that incense that you are holding in your hand is nothing compared to what God's going to put in Elizabeth's womb. That incense that you offer right now as a way of repenting of the people's sin is nothing compared to the son that you are going to bring into the world because he will be the living incense of God. He is going to call people to repentance. Everywhere he walked, every place that he stands will be the holy of holies because when people come to him and hear his voice, they will turn back to God Fathers will turn back to the children. People will turn back to the commandments of God. He will be a prophet like none before him to prepare the way for the one who will come after him. Zechariah, your son will be the forerunner of God's son. Now, let's not blame Zechariah too much for not believing that angel. Whatever the Hebrew words are for, yeah, right, that's probably what he would have said. Because that's what you and I would have said. And that's not what the angel wanted to hear. What the angel wanted to hear was something like Abraham, who, obe who obeyed quickly. The angel wanted to hear something like, here I am, Lord, like what Samuel said. But in that moment, Zechariah was so close so close in that moment to claiming that peace for himself and that new peace for the people of Israel, but it was an almost peace, a not quite kind of peace. Now, as you and I sit here today, we hear this story, and we imagine what that had to be like for Zechariah. 
The angel took away his voice for a season of time until the baby would be born. He could not speak for nine months, which frankly probably was good news to Elizabeth, knowing she wouldn't have to put up with Zachariah's voice for nine months. Probably made for an awkward morning coffee with the fellas the next day. But imagine how traumatized those Jewish people had to be when Zechariah stepped out into the sunlight, into the temple courtyard, and could not deliver the words of peace that those people were desperate to hear. Now, as you and I sit here this morning, there are a lot of entry points into this story for you and me. A lot of different characters that you and I could relate with the most. It could be that for some of us, we identify with the Jewish crowds in the courtyard because you and I, you and I are really longing for evidence of peace in the world. We're looking to see it. We're looking to hear it. We're looking for someone to speak it. And it is hard to find and it is impossible to hear. Not when there are crumbling countries and suffering people all around the world. How is it possible for us to say and for us to hear the words peace on earth when this earth is full of places like Syria and Nicaragua and Gaza and Haiti and Sudan. How is it possible to hear the words and say the words peace on earth when the earth is filled with rising temperatures and rising seas? How is it possible to hear the words and say the words peace on earth when we see all around us the poor and the outcast and the marginalized and the suffering? It would not take much for you and me to identify with those dumbstruck Jewish people in the courtyard that day who could not hear the words of peace that they were longing to hear. And then there's Zechariah. It's very possible that you and I most relate to Zechariah this morning because we enter into Advent today just like just like Zechariah entered into the temple that day, just like you and I entered into the sanctuary this morning. But the feelings of our own grief for the loss of a loved one not long ago is blocking that sense of peace. Or we are feeling the bruising of a relationship that has yet to heal. Or we are feeling the burden of care for a loved one who refuses to take care of himself. There are many ways that we are rendered with disbelief about the possibility of peace. So what do we do? What do we do if we feel like Zechariah or if we feel like those crowds this morning? Well, maybe, maybe, as it turns out, the removal of Zechariah's voice, as traumatic as that had to be for him and the people, maybe, maybe it was a gift. Maybe that silence was not a punishment after all, but a prescription. What if? What if when Zechariah stepped out before that crowd, unable to speak those words, what if there came a moment when those people started to get over their shock. And instead of shock, there became a dawning realization 
that God had still forgiven them, even if Zechariah were not able to say it. And maybe they came to the realization that the act of God forgiving the people was not contingent on one person verbalizing it or a group of people hearing it. Maybe it was God who determined forgiveness and not any one of us. And maybe they realized that God had still been faithful to forgive them, even if they couldn't hear it. And maybe instead of hearing those words like they always had from one person's mouth, maybe they had heard those words so often that it had become a part of who they are, even if they didn't realize it at the time. And there, Zechariah, not being able to speak those words, maybe they began to remember those words for themselves. And maybe they heard those words in the silence of their own memories, and they realized the Lord has blessed us. The Lord has kept us. The Lord has made His face to shine upon us. The Lord has been gracious unto us. The Lord has indeed lifted His countenance upon us. And even if Zechariah couldn't say it, and even if we couldn't hear it, the Lord has given us peace. And what if, what if in those long nine months when Zechariah was not able to utter those words, maybe it became a blessing to him? Maybe because he wasn't able to speak, it forced him to listen more and enabled him to experience and listen and be sensitive to Elizabeth in a new way, listening to her talk about her pregnancy, listening to that giggling glee when she met with Mary, listening to those groans from the morning sickness, what if each of those moments of forced silence were gifts to Zechariah as well? What if? What if that silence enabled him to reflect on his blessings rather than focus on his wanting, to, to embrace his doubts in order to claim his belief? to open up his heart by closing his mouth so that he could be open to his trust in God. What if that's what happened because of the silence? Well, we know what happened. By the end of the story, we know what happened because when the baby was born, Zechariah decided to name him John, just like the angel had told him to do. And in that moment, when he declared his son's name, he regained his voice again. But you know what? By the time he regained his voice, the true transformation in Zechariah had already happened. Because before he even regained his voice, he had already regained his faith and his trust in God. And that's what can happen to you through the silence of this Advent season. Maybe this Advent, your peace will be preceded by your silence in the way that you will listen more to other people and argue less, in the way that you will surrender your pride and receive help from others instead, in the way that you will create more silent space and silent time 
and moments for you to breathe amid your busyness in the way that you will hold your tongue rather than unleashing it on other people, in the way that you will focus these next four weeks on empathy instead of judgment, on prayer, on giving thanks, and on renewing your commitment to God. Maybe the gift that God is giving you this Advent season is the gift of silence. And if you receive it, and if you practice it, do you know what will happen? Peace. Not an almost peace, an altogether peace. A peace that is created first within you so that it can then be shared through you for other people. So that when you step out into the blinking daylight and see a crowd of people in a dark, dark spirit who are longing for peace, looking for someone to share that word of peace, they can look to you. And through your words and through your actions and through the confidence of your conviction, you can say to a disbelieving world, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray together. Oh God, as we begin this Advent journey and as we prepare to come forward for communion, we long to hear those words of peace. But more than that, we long to claim them in our spirits. You meet us right where we are, knowing that in the trouble of our spirits and in the tumult of the world, we experience far from the peace that you intend. So, O oh God, silence all voices but your own. Make us hear with singular frequency your heartbeat, your mind, and your words of absolution to all of your creation, that you love us, you forgive us, and we can be at peace. Help us to claim those words and then share those words, first in silence and then in service. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray, and let all God's people say, Amen. So at this time, we invite Matt to return as he offers to us some very practical things that you can do as a result of God's message today so that you can foster peace and spiritual practices this Advent season. Our response to God this morning involves the commitment of our whole lives. Around here, we call that grip. Four spiritual practices, giving, reading Scripture, inviting others, and praying. And so today, I just want to give you a few practical ways that you can grow in those practices this week and throughout Advent. If you want to practice giving that is joyful and generous, we are still collecting estimate of giving cards for this coming year, and you can find them on the back of the pew in front of you. Uh, these are not pledge cards. These don't commit you to anything, but they actually help us just understand 
what people think they might be giving in this coming year, and help us plan our ministries accordingly. So it's a great way that you can partner with us uh, and truly give in a way that's joyful and generous out of the, uh, out of the depths of your heart. If you want to read Scripture without fear or frustration, in one month we're starting a new journey through the entirety of Scripture. We're calling it the Bible Project 2020. We're going to go from Genesis to Revelation throughout the year of 2020. We're going to be covering it in our sermons, we're going to have other materials, and we're going to have small groups. If you want to be a part of one of those small groups, you can go online to the website behind me, BibleProject2020.com, and sign up for one of those small groups. Small groups are a great way to strengthen your entire grip, to work on all your spiritual practices, but especially in this season, to work on reading Scripture without fear or frustration. So as I invite the ushers forward, I invite us to give in a way that is joyful and generous. Thank you.